0: Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend, but on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around, because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hey friends, welcome to season two of the Good Question podcast. We hope you had a wonderful holiday season and are enjoying these early days of 2022. As you know, we took a break from releasing new episodes for the last several weeks of 2021, and I am so excited to be back in your ears this week. We are kicking this new year off with a new schedule. We'll release the season two episodes on Tuesdays, like always, for about 10 weeks, and then we'll take another little break and then come back with the season three and so on. That's a ways down the road. We don't need to worry about it yet. Today is the start of season two, and we have a fantastic slate of episodes coming your way. As you may know, if you've been listening for a while, my husband, Dave, and I and our girls are planning to move to Denmark in 2022 as associates in missions or AMERS with the United Pentecostal Church International's short-term missions program. So it's a bit of an understatement to say, we have missions on our minds most of the time these days. Throughout this process, we've been blessed to meet missionaries from all over the globe. And while each of them shares a similar burden, their stories of answering God's call are unique. So we decided for season two, It just made sense to bring some of their voices to the podcast so you can hear some behind-the-scenes stories you might not get when they come through your church on deputation. And these conversations have all been enlightening, encouraging, and so full of wisdom. Even if you don't feel a call to global missions at this moment, there is something in every episode that I know you can take away and apply to your life today. This season will most certainly get you thinking, spark conversation, and let you know you aren't alone, which is what we're all about here at Good Question. So let's get to the first conversation. Today we are talking with Corey Beebe. He is the first UPCI appointed missionary to the country of Andorra. And if you just said Andorra, I've never heard of it. Don't worry, you aren't alone. It's one of the smallest nations in the world, but as we'll hear, The potential for powerful worldwide revival is waiting there within its borders. So, take a listen to my conversation with Corey Beebe. Corey Beebe, welcome to Good Question.
1: It's an honor to be here.
0: We're very excited to talk to you um, here in our second season of the podcast where we are doing a missions focus. And we're going to have lots of different missionaries from all over the world on this season. And we're excited to have you as part of that. My family got to meet you when you came through Tulsa a couple months ago, I guess. And so we're excited to hear more about your calling and your field in Spain and Andorra. So before we jump in to all of that, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about who you
1: are. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jessica, for having me on. I've I've been listening to the podcast and you've got a lot of Many interesting conversations and guests. It's an honor to speak with you today. Just to let you know a little bit about my background, I was born in Louisiana, and uh, when I was eight years old, my dad and my family, uh, we moved to South Carolina to start a church. And of course, that that shaped my life of who I was. And I grew up as a home missions kid. I learned how to play the drums, the piano, lead worship, preach. Preached my first sermon when I was 14 years old.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, I kind of grew up, my dad's right hand man, just learning everything that it took to start a church, to pastor a church. And when I was 12 years old, I met my wife, mm. and uh, it was it was right before she turned 12. It was her she was 11 actually at the time. It was the day before her her 12th birthday. <laughs> And about a year later, we started kind of being boyfriend and girlfriend. She's my high school sweetheart and uh, my only real girlfriend. And after high school, I went to Gateway uh, College of Evangelism, in St. Louis, now Urshan. And I have a bachelor's in theology. And uh, during between my sophomore and junior year, my wife and I got married. And um, then I finished up school um, being married. We have two children, uh, Natalie, who's almost 16, and Logan, uh, who's 10 years old.
0: Wow. So a lifetime of ministry and following the path of God. I want to hear about your story of being called into missions. And one of the things I'd like you to hit on, if you, if you would mind, you mentioned that you were your dad's right-hand man. So when the call came down for you guys to, to join the work of the Lord in a foreign field, Talk a little bit about that call and talk a little bit about the family um, response to
1: that. Sure. So to to keep the story going, I guess, uh, for seven and a half years, I did uh, work with my dad uh, very closely in in my home church. I wanted to come back and and help my parents and honor them. I didn't want to just leave from Bible college and go somewhere else. But um, about seven and a half years into that, I... Felt a desire to kind of get on my own, have my own ministry, so to speak. And uh, I did pastor a church in North Carolina for four years in the mountains uh, in Franklin, North Carolina. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. We were there for four years. I just felt like God led me to that area, led me to that time, uh, and it really helped develop me as to, to have my own unique. Ministry. I I went from preaching like once or twice a month to three times a week. Mm. And so uh, it really helped with that. And during the time that we were uh, there is when I felt the call again, I should say, to missions. When I was 17 years old, I went on a um, missions trip to Argentina, and that trip changed my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a youth on missions trip. It's now called AYC with the UPCI. And uh but at that time it was called Youth On Missions and um I've always had a love for the Spanish language. I took four years in high school. But being in another country and seeing another culture, worshiping and praising the Lord and and seeing their passion for worship and being able to minister, I got an opportunity to to, to do a little testimony and, and stuff like that. And and uh it was it was incredible. I remember praying with kids, and other people. Uh, I remember especially the kids that really got to me uh They were just so passionate about worship and coming to the altar, and big tears were streaming down their face and uh it was a It was an incredible incredible experience that totally changed my life and um the really cool thing is is that I had an opportunity to connect with both the missionaries on that trip, Brother Crosley was a missionary of Argentina and also Brother Burgess brother Ken Burgess and, uh, uh, had an opportunity to just kind of have a one-on-one conversation with him. Uh, there was about 45 kids and I didn't, this was very rare, but we had an opportunity to talk. And I told him that I felt a call to be a, a minister, to be in, be a preacher. And I just wasn't sure what kind of ministry that I would be in, into, uh, or, or God called me to, do I meet does he want me to be an evangelist, a pastor, missionary? What, you know, what's the deal? And uh, he said something to me that just blew my mind. He said, you may end up doing all of them. Mm. And looking back, uh, that seems pretty simple. You know, it wasn't super profound or anything. It was just observing that that's a possibility. But for me as a 17-year-old, I had this idea that once you committed to a certain type of ministry, that was who you are. That was yeah. your identity. and you had to do that the rest of your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It never occurred to me that, that God could change your direction and that you could be an evangelist, a pastor, and a missionary all in the same life. Yeah. <laughs> so in some ways, uh, that came true in my life. And that was quite quite an awesome idea change or shift in my mind that I could God could change and lead and guide and direct in different paths. And so... That was kind of the, the, that was when I was 17. Of course, fast forward, you know, I'm pastoring now in Franklin, North Carolina. And I was in uh, Chick fil A (laughs) where all good things happen.
0: Yes, (laughs) personally.
1: I think we're going to have Chick fil A in heaven. That's my request. Yes, me too. (laughs) So uh, I was watching a a missions uh, service and there was a young missionary brother sportsman brother zach sportsman who's now a missionary to rwanda he is a missionary uh he was uh in burkina faso uh, but now i think he's about to go to rwanda and um he was sharing his testimony and at the time i think he'd only been in the church for maybe seven or eight years i mean he had only had the holy ghost for just a short amount of time and when i was watching him he's going to africa and I'm thinking, what is my excuse? This this burden this has been on in my heart for years, but I've just pushed it aside and said, you know, that missionaries are for super Christians.
2: Mm.
1: You know, they're for the super special people out there, and I'm not one of the super special people. And and I saw Brother Sportsman, and not that I'm sure he is a very special super. Christian, but but he was just a young a a young missionary who had not been in the church very long, and I had been in the church all my life. And I thought, what's my excuse, you know? And so I I came home to my wife and I said, Hey, babe, what do you think if we were to pursue missions, Um, go be missionaries? And she was like, Okay. So that was that excuse, you know, you know, if, if my wife was not going to be on board, then I was not going to I was not going to pursue it. But uh, she's like, OK, so the next six months I, I tried to talk her out of it. <laughs> from there, and I know this is a long story, but no,
2: it's good. I love it.
1: From there, we, we tried to figure out where to go, you know, what to do. And we went to general conference in 2015. And uh, there was the missions conference, uh, or the Global Mission Service, Brother the called, you know, if you want to be a missionary, come to the front, you know, if God is calling you or whatever. We need missionaries, you know. Brother Howell, uh, Brother Bruce Howell, is uh, an incredible, incredible man of God, and uh, just just highly respect him. And when I went down to pray, Brother Nathan Herod, who is a missionary in Spain, who I had known very little of. Uh, I went to, he went, he finished his last um, year at Bible college at Gateway. So uh, I knew of him, but I didn't know him very well. But I asked him to pray for me because I felt called to the Spanish speaking world with not thinking Spain at all. Hmm. In my mind, we were actually thinking Nicaragua.
2: Hmm.
1: We decided to spend some time in Nicaragua uh, for a little while. And that's where we thought we were going to go. But I, looking back, it's kind of neat how the only person that I saw, that I connected with at that general conference was Brother Nathan Herod, and uh, he prayed for me at the time. And so uh, we were thinking, uh, Nicaragua, we spent some time um, there, um, but it, it just didn't work out, timing, whatever. But during that time, uh, while we were considering going to Nicaragua, uh, Brother Burgess, uh, who I had met in Argentina many years ago, connected with my brother and with Brother Hadabal, uh, Brother Hattaball is my brother's pastor. Uh, my brother's, his name is Cole Beebe And Brother Hattaball and Brother Burgess are close friends. And he had mentioned that the need to come to Spain. Uh, they had an English-speaking church there, and they wanted me to come to pastor the English church.
2: Hmm. And
1: I thought that was an incredible opportunity because uh, I didn't speak Spanish at the time. And I thought, wow, what an opportunity to be able to preach in English, learn Spanish, and to uh, to be under Brother Burgess who had, uh you know, who I'd met in Argentina when I was seventeen on my first missions trip. And so it just it just felt like everything was lining up. And I will talk about Andorra, uh, maybe the next question or whatever. But it was uh that's kind of where I got started in, in my ministry to go to that. So I I resigned my church and uh found a new pastor and we sold everything that we had, sold our sold our house. Sold our cars, sold our furniture, um, and took off to Spain. And it's been quite a ride since then. We we were in Spain in 2017, and uh, we we're hopefully going to be going back in 2022. <laughs> we're on deputation <laughs> right now.
0: Yeah. So, I love some of these pieces of your story because I think they're really important for people to hear. I know they were important things for me to realize as my husband and I have felt the call into the field and we're headed off as amer's next year hopefully. One of the things being that God allows you to have these divine encounters with people who speak something to you that you need to hear. And the thing about it is that you don't always realize at the time what is happening, right? Like you get right. you get to have this special one-on-one with these missionaries when you're 17. And then you go to this general conference, and you just have someone pray for you on the altar. And God is lining all of these things up that you don't actually see and until you look back. And I think that's that's been true for us, you know, and later on in this season, my husband and I are going to do an episode where we kind of talk through our own story of how God has been leading and guiding us. and And these same sorts of things have happened where just people show up. and it just feels random, but it's not random. It's all. God ordained ordering your steps and speaking to you. So I want to encourage someone who's listening, like don't discount those things. Don't discount a conversation that you think, well, that was a little strange. Why did that person speak to me? Or a word that you hear in a sermon that sticks with you and you can't figure out why, like just hold on to those things and the Lord will make it all clear in his time as he divinely orders your steps. I think that's so, he's so kind to us to do that for us. The other thing that I really love was your your comment that this concept that missions are for super Christians, and I think that that's <laughs> I think that's so true that we have this misconception. I know that I have had the same one we look at our missionaries and say like missionaries are our heroes, and they are absolutely they are our heroes, but they are not superheroes, you know <laughs> like they're Christians just like us that are are answering the call to serve God outside of their home country, and it's it's really. As simple and as wonderful as that. And so I think it's great that we can kind of break down some of the barriers in people's minds that think it's too late. I'm too old. I've already established myself in this other area of ministry. Like you were saying, like, this is my identity now. Like God is not limited by any of those things. And if we can open our minds to see what he wants us to do, we're going to have a fuller life in him um, and a fuller ministry. So I think that's, I think that's all fantastic.
1: Yeah, and another thing that happened to me, just to throw this out there, which you know, some people, I think you can look at some things and say, "Oh, that's just a coincidence,"
2: mm.
1: whatever. But when we were thinking about going to um, going to Spain, um, I came home one day and uh, there was a, a card from a real estate agent on my door. Hmm. and i had not told anyone We was just talking to just my wife and, I, and i'm like what's happening here so there was a card and it says if you want to sell your house i have an interested in buyer what? <laughs> <My butt. laughs> <laughs> so i call the lady right you know and and say you know actually i'm i am interested you know we're thinking about uh moving and she's like oh well, where are you where are you want to move to i'm like well we're, we're thinking about moving to spain she's like are you kidding? She's like, I used to live there. I lived in Spain for six years.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And I was like, what? <laughs> so, you know, as a child, she lived there. There's a military base south southwestern part of Spain, and she lived there as a child. And um, I wish I could tell you that she sold her house. You know, that would have been such a great story, but <laughs> she did not. But it, it, I think it was one of those, like, okay, God, I mean how many times has that ever happened? You know, Mm -hmm. never, I've never had anyone put a business card. And I was like, okay, God's telling, yeah, it's time. It's time to to, to think about these things, you know? And I was like, okay, so it's hard to, hard to, there's a lot of little things uh, like that that that's happened that, that that if you're paying attention, Mm. you recognize this, this is God. Now you, you can always shrug it off and say, you know, uh, that's just coincidence, you know, but when you do that, when you resist the call, when you resist God tugging and, and showing you things, uh, it's a miserable place. And and oh. I have been there. I have been there. At some point, you just got to embrace it mm-hmm. and go for it. Yeah, so.
0: for sure. Well, you, as I mentioned before, you came through Tulsa spoke to us and preached for us at the church today. And I mentioned this to you before we started recording that my daughter, my six year old was just fascinated with Andorra and with your call to Andorra. So she asked us in that service, if we could give to you, to you guys, which we we told her, sure, of course we can. And and then she was so excited whenever uh, we told her that we were going to be speaking with you for the podcast. And so the question that she wanted me to ask you ties into some of what we're going to talk about next, which is the country of Andorra. And she wants to know, what is Andorra like?
1: Okay. For those of you who may not know, because it's okay, a lot of people don't know this. Andorra is a small country uh, between France and Spain and the Pyrenees Mountains. And it is a gorgeous country. And we're we're missionaries. We're the first missionaries to that nation. And uh, it is a very tiny, they call it microstates. And uh, Europe has several microstates. It's one of the smallest countries in the world. And um, it's probably smaller or half the size of most people's counties. Uh, That's how small it is. And Mm it's about 80,000 people uh, in the population. But you're surrounded by mountains. So when you go into Andorra, there's this kind of like slit that you go through. And then when you get to la Bella, which is the capital city, you're in the valley and literally on every, on 360, uh, there's mountains around you and they're massive, massive mountains. Mm. So you, in some ways you feel like you're in a fishbowl
2: mm.
1: and uh, it is just gorgeous. And of course, right now it is snowing you know, mm. and uh, there's, there's mm-hmm. snow all over and they're known for their ski resorts. So, so uh, while it's a small population, it doesn't feel small because now, I don't know how the pandemic has changed the tourism industry in Indora. But prior to the pandemic, somewhere between 8 to 10 million people would visit Andorra every year.
2: Oh, my goodness. And
1: so it feels very large in some regard. It's very modern, very new construction, um, a lot of shopping. Uh, there's, they've got a shopping mile in downtown, uh, where it's like an outdoor mall. It used to be street. It's now pedestrian, uh, walkway. So it's, uh, they've made it all pedestrian, all the, the, the downtown areas. So you have to park like in a parking garage or a parking lot, and then you can literally walk the whole city. And it's like a big, huge mall. It's, it's, it's beautiful. The mountains are gorgeous. Uh, especially this time of year, you can, drive and see, um, see snow as far as the eye can see and beautiful mountain landscapes. So, uh, to say that, uh, we've fallen in love with that area is, is an understatement. It's absolutely gorgeous. And, and for your daughter, I will say this, they have like a partnership or they did when we were there. I don't know if they do or not, but they have a partnership with Disney mm. and what they do, especially during Christmas time. Is they will put Disney characters lit up all throughout the town. Mm. And uh, there'll be huge, massive, like Mickey Mouses and Donald Ducks and, and whatever. And uh, it's really great around Christmas time. It's absolutely gorgeous. They just light up the whole city. <laughs> so I, I miss it. I, of course, I love being with my family and uh, spending Christmas with my, my parents and my in-laws, but... I would much rather be there right now.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> it sounds gorgeous.
1: It is. It really is. It's a unique place. It's uh it's not in the U- European Union, so uh it's it has a border and you have to go through the border and it sometimes it takes a while to get in and out of the country. Uh, whereas from going from Spain to France, you don't even have to worry about it because the EU. Now, again, we live there pre-pandemic, so I don't know how all that's changed. But right. um, anyway, they, I hope that answers your question. Yes. Uh, but it's it's a beautiful place, a lot of mountains, rivers, nature. They're known for their ski resorts and mountain biking. The Tour de France actually goes through Andorra. Okay. And they actually just recently, uh, this summer, had the Tour de France. And they spent, spent the night in Andorra Vella, which is the capital city. So, oh, um, cool! beautiful, beautiful place.
0: So, so, tell us then a little bit about how you ended up feeling the call specifically there.
1: So, while we were in Madrid, we, we met a lady. She moved from Moscow. Uh, she's a Filipino lady. And she moved from Moscow to Madrid, and she was only in Madrid for a few months. And um, But uh, one day uh, she called me up to the church and said, Pastor, uh, I'd like to uh, talk to you about something. I was like, Okay. So she said, I, I'm, I'm wanting to move to Andorra. I've got a job there. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. There's no church in Andorra. And you know, I was like, Well, where are you planning on leaving? You know, she's like, Oh, I've got my bus ticket and I'm leaving this afternoon. Oh no Oh yeah, it's like you're not really wanting my advice or my blessing. You're just kinda of like informing me. Yeah. So I'm like, Well what am I what am I gonna do? Okay. So um I told her off to like, Yeah, we'll pray for, her, you know, but I still didn't think it was a good idea because there was no church there. Well, when she gets there she gets uh and, and connected to a couple of families and starts having Bible studies and um She sends my wife a Facebook message and says, hey, these people want to get baptized in Jesus' name. Will you come? Mm -hmm. And uh, now to let someone know the geography, uh, Andorra is about a seven and a half hour drive from Madrid. Now you can take a train, but the train's more expensive to get there. Um, You can't actually get... Well, that's something that's unique about Andorra. You can't actually take a train or fly into Andorra. You have to drive there. It's the only way you can do it. It's landlocked. Mm. The only way to get there is to, uh, if you were to fly, you would fly into Barcelona or Toulouse, France. Barcelona, Spain, Toulouse, France, and then drive into Andorra. Mm. And so we didn't have a lot of money as Amers, uh, and and you know you guys may find that out. Uh, it's not it's not fun, but kind <laughs> of <laughs> the money thing, uh, you know. So we we're like, why don't you call Brother Herod? So now Brother Herod uh, is in Barcelona. He's about a three hour drive, and so the brother Nathan Harrod. And uh and she's like, No, I think it should be you. I'm like, Okay, <laughs> Well we kind of been, uh, kind of just like whatever, we don't know, you know, we don't have the money to you. Get... So about a week later we're actually talking to Brother Harrod. Brother Harrod is the uh the president of the work of Spain. And uh and I would like to talk about Spain in a minute, uh if we have time because sure. Spain is just having tremendous, tremendous revival right now that I want to I'd like to talk about But yeah. We were talking with Brother Hareb and he said we, where do you, we want to plug you in? We want to plug you in somewhere, you know. And you know, do you want to be missionaries? And at the time we had been there for about 6 months and, and uh we were like, yeah, we want to be missionaries to Spain we're, we we this is what we see the rest of, we see our, our our lives here. And he said, "Well, what about Andorra? we considered going to Andorra." Mm. And my wife got her phone out and uh, so we just so happened to have several people that are we've got some contacts, and he thought that was awesome, and he said, "Well, we'll pay your way to go." And so uh, that was the first trip. We ended up taking three trips, and uh, that we we had a our first trip we had a, a service in a living room, and with the, those people, and I, I, I we sang songs. I preached like I was preaching to five thousand people. <laughs> And there was about there was about probably ten of us in a li- little living room. But when when we got done preaching, the power of God fell, and we started praying for people. Tears were streaming down people's faces, and I just felt in that moment God was telling me, "This is where I want you to be." And mm. you know, ever since we've had a burden for the country of Andorra, and that's kind of how we got to Andorra, how we first, uh, you know, was introduced to the to that nation.
0: Wow. It's so cool again how you can you can be on a trajectory and think like okay I'm set and God still is always moving us and directing us and guiding us into more and more and more of what he wants us to do. I think that's so awesome. So you guys came back I guess then before before 2020 before everything shut down.
1: Yes. So we moved to Spain in July of 2017 and December of 20 20- 19, we moved back. We were supposed to meet the the Global Missions Board in February, first week of February, to be appointed as intermediate missionaries. You know, we came out like December 19th, so we spent Christmas with our family, preached a little bit out in January, met the board in February. And then, uh, of course, March and April and May was shut down in 2020
2: Mm.
1: for the pandemic, and we... We had nowhere to go, nothing to do. And so we were just kind of like in this limbo. But uh, we did get approved, of course, to be intermediate missionaries. And we started June of 2020 uh, on the field. And that's, that's a whole, or, or on the deputation trail, I should say, raising money, trying to get partners and missions. We've been traveling since then, and we, we're hoping to get back hopefully in 2022. It's a long process.
0: It is a long um, process. So, I don't know if you have the answer to this question yet or not, but are there any like unique challenges that you foresee um, with establishing a work there in Andorra?
1: Yes, quite a few. The first challenge is that we can't live in the country. Mm. That's a big deal. So, with Andorra being a separate nation, we have a visa with the United Pentecostal Church of Spain. Mm. and. It's a religious workers visa to where the government of Spain recognizes the United Pentecostal Church of Spain. And so on my like residence card, it literally says on the back, it says, I'm a priest of a different religion.
2: Mm.
1: And because they, they, when they think church, they think Catholic. Right. So I'm a priest of a different religion. So when, you know, if anybody ever asked for my ID, they know that I'm a, I'm a minister. It's official according to the government. So they do not have that in Andorra. They only recognize the Catholic Church, and right now we don't have any. We don't. We haven't registered to be. We have to register as an association. Mm -hmm. You can't actually even register as a church in Andorra. So because of that, we live in a small town right outside the border. It's about a 10-minute drive to the border, and about another 20 minutes into the heart of the, the the main city. And so, so that's a challenge because we've we didn't have a, bu- another challenge is we don't have a building.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when, you know, if we were to start a church and any other, if, if we were to be able to live in Indora, we probably wouldn't necessarily need a building right away. We would just try to get a, a an apartment or a place with a big living room where we could have lots of chairs and just start having services at home. Um, right. But because we can't live there, we have to have a building.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, that creates its own challenges because when it comes to baptizing people, you don't have a baptistry, mm. and so it's it was a, quite a challenge to try to find a baptistry. But we were able to baptize the first person that we know of in the name of Jesus in the nation of Andorra, and that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, and since that time, we we've, we've seen several being baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, many, uh, and uh, so there there you have to be creative. You know, sometimes you have to find bathtubs swimming pool, and all kinds of stuff. So yeah. the goal is when we get back is that we're going to have our own uh, building. We're going to get our own baptistry and that we'll do that. Another Another challenge is that they speak Catalan in Andorra. So not to get too detailed in Spanish politics, but Spain actually has four official languages. Huh. Uh, which I didn't know of before I moved there. And yeah. uh, everybody thinks everybody just speaks Spanish. Well, not necessarily. Everybody does speak Spanish to a certain degree, but but there's four regional languages that are very important. You have, and I want to just talk about one of them, uh, just for time's sake, but in, in north, the northeastern part of Spain is Catalonia. And that's where Barcelona is. And uh, they speak a different language called Catalan. And it's similar to French and similar to Spanish, but it's its own distinct language. Hmm. And Andorra is very much associated with that culture. Andorra is a separate country, but they speak Catalan. In fact, Catalan is the official language of Andorra. And so everything is done in Catalan. But everybody speaks Spanish, too. So (laughs) uh, we're learning Spanish. But in order to, if we're going to be there for a long, long time, we want to learn Catalan too. So uh, the goal is to learn Spanish and Catalan eventually Um, because everyone's bilingual and most people prefer Catalan. I I went to a music store to buy a a keyboard and uh, was trying to talk to the guy in Spanish. He ended up talking to me in English. um, And I said, I'm sorry, my Spanish is is so bad. And he was like, oh, he's like, I'm not interested in Spanish. Like, like, To them, the Catalan is is better. You know, I I don't, you know, I don't want to talk in Spanish.
0: That's interesting. He preferred to talk to me in
1: English over Spanish. That's so interesting. They're very proud of their language and so, and their culture. And so, uh, hopefully one day we'll be able to be trilingual. But I don't know. We're we're working on Spanish right now. So everyone does speak Spanish, but that is a a unique challenge. Another challenge is that you can't, pass out literature in the streets
2: mm-hmm. or
1: preach in the streets. Not that I would probably do that every week or anything, but from time to time it would have been interesting. There's a strict law against it because they are a very touristy area and they don't want their streets to be littered with mm. like tracks. They, they don't even let like restaurants do it. Like in, like in Madrid and Barcelona, you walk down the main um, shopping areas, there will be people giving you uh, like brochures for sales right. stuff. You know, in yeah. advertising about their restaurant, and people just type take it and throw it on the ground, and it kind of can dirty up the streets. Well, because of that, they're very strict about that. They don't want to let you pass out literature, and so uh, that that's a challenge. So how are we gonna How are we gonna advertise? How are we gonna get the word out there? You can't really knock doors or pass out literature, so that's going to be a challenge. There's many different nationalities all, from all over the world. That's a, that's a challenge, but it's also a, a great yeah. advantage to us because in Andorra, only about 33% of the population is actual Andorans. The rest are immigrants from all over the world. And so it's going to be interesting. Um, they, speak, they speak Catalan, but if you go to a restaurant or you, and, and ask for a menu, the, the menu will be in French uh, catalan, Spanish and English.
2: Wow. And
1: so, uh, you can go to, you can go to McDonald's and the guy in front of you is ordering in French. The guy behind you is ordering in Spanish (laughs) and the guy, you know, and then there's catalan, you know, being spoken throughout the whole, whole, whole place. So, and, uh, and every now and then, you know, you'll hear English. There's actually a decent sized British community and the, uh, and Andorra too. So it, it's very diverse. It's a small nation, but it's got a lot going on and it, lots of languages, lots of cultures. It's going to be a challenge to minister there, but it's going to be a blast, And I'm looking forward to it, yeah,
0: I love that. I love the idea and it, it's it's just becoming more and more the case, especially in North America and in in Europe, that you have so many cultures intermingling in these metro areas and you can, you can have such an impact. You know, we talk about how our mission as the UPCI is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. So we've got inroads into all these nations just by being in this tiny country in the middle of the mountains that most of us in North America have never heard of the impact and the reach that God can have through us when we, when he positions us strategically like that. I think that's, I think that's just so cool.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to see how the Lord is at work right now. You know, like we can't, like you were saying, like the, the ways that we've been used to reaching people, preaching, uh, passing out tracts, you know, p- like public outreach types of things, maybe, maybe are closed to us in these areas, but God's word is not going to be stopped. And so as we transition through time and, and as, as things change and, and the requirements change, just, it just lets God have more opportunity to be creative in the way that he's going to open up doors for us to reach people and speak to people. And I just, I'm excited to see how he uses you guys there and to see what he does as we, as we get over into Europe ourselves. Like I'm, I'm so excited to see just kind of what he has in store. Cause I think it's going to be really, really
1: cool. Right, we we can't put God in a box. No, um, God God is so much bigger than we think. We, we he, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our, our thoughts. And and uh, God's going to have a church. Yeah, and uh, he he wants to use people to be involved in that. We can't uh, always say this is how it's got to be.
2: Mm.
1: You know, of course, you know through the pandemic, we we've, we've learned that you can get the word out there. You know, through social media, through the internet through uh different aspects that we had we had to learn to be creative mm-hmm. and and it's not ideal you know the ideal is for us to come together and worship together as a group and trust me that's much better but it's there is something to the presence of you know uh, i was listening actually to your interview with brother carson brother baron carson and uh and you know, I totally agree with everything that he said uh you know about social media and internet and, and having making sure that we we think outside the box of the creative because you never know what God can, That's right. can do through that,
0: yeah, you know it's it, you're right because even even here in north america right like we're we're talking about missions, but all these things apply here as well. I'm so thankful you know the the pandemic and being at home and not being able to be in church in person was very difficult. But I'm so thankful for what has come out of that, which is the fact that our services at least are live streamed every Sunday. And so, you know, it's it's the fall and winter here. I have a a six-year-old and a two-year-old, and it seems like every other week somebody is running a fever or (laughs) has some kind of reason why either my husband or I has to stay at home. And, you know, yesterday was Sunday, and I was feeling... I was just feeling really down yesterday morning. Like I was staying at home with a sick baby. I was really bummed about not being able to go to church and just feeling very low in my spirit. And literally the service came on. I was sitting on, you know, holding a, holding a feverish baby, but the Lord, the power of God came through that, through that broadcast into my living room. And I was able to have a sweet time with the Lord right here by myself um, but connected to Absolutely. to the service. You know what I'm saying? And so it's so, there's so much good as well as, as in, in all the bad that's happened, there's so much good that has come out of it as well. And I think that, you know, we're talking about how we're having to transition methods, right? So we we can't do the tracks on, on the street anymore, but hey, we have this way of being in touch um, across miles and across, you know, right. c- circumstance Absolutely. and situation in life. And so I think it's really, I think it's really good to be, just looking, looking ahead, like God's preparing the way for us.
1: Well, to give kind of a cool story and how social media, I, there's several things that I could talk about, but I've um, that come to mind. that My home church, my my parents' church, um, stream their services, and they've been doing it before the pandemic. So uh, there was a lady actually in Madrid, Spain, who somehow. Got connected to, I don't know how, uh, to be honest, but connected to my home church and started watching services in my home church just out of nowhere, you know. And they contacted her or she contacted the church and the lady that was kind of in charge of it messaged her back and says, hey, we, we actually have some people, we have some connections in Madrid. Why don't you go and check out their church? She came, we taught her a Bible study, and she got the Holy Ghost, and we baptized her. <laughs> and so so a Filipino lady living in Madrid, watching a service in the U.S., got connected to us, who were in the same town, in the same city, an American couple, you know, living in Madrid, preaching in an English church, and we were able to connect with her. And she's still in the church today. And so it's, you know, you just never know how God's going to use use technology or anything, just we can't think small. If we're going to have global revival, we cannot think small. This is going to, it's going to be bigger than what we've ever dreamed of. And we've just got to go for it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I pray. I I want to pray more what Jesus told us to pray, send forth laborers, you know, pray, pray that there be laborers in the harvest because there's a harvest there we just need more people to get out there and get it. Yeah. So I want to take that opportunity to tell you guys how awesome I think it is. I got a chance to talk to your husband very briefly when I was at your church, you know, would love to be able to connect with you guys more. And thank you for this. This has been a lot of fun, but I encourage you guys that, you know, wow, what an incredible opportunity that you, you're going to have to go to Denmark and, and I'm excited for that and, uh, and all the things that you're going to see and do and experience. Not that you can't be used in your local churches and, and, and not that you can't, but, but I think that there's a, a call that God is putting in, in, in the church that says, we need to reach beyond our local borders. You know, yeah. we need to go beyond. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's the great commission, you know, yeah. uh, and and I, I just wanna be a part of it. And and not saying that if you stay in your local church, and you minister only in your local church that you're not fulfilling the Great Commission. I'm not saying that. But somebody does have to go into uh, the uttermost parts of the earth. Yeah. Everybody
2: can't stay in Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know no, somebody's so got to
1: go to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Who's who's gonna do that? And there needs to be some people that says, I'll 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 do it. I'll go to those uttermost parts of the earth places.
0: Yeah. Well, you wanted to talk to us about what God's doing in Spain and I want to hear about it. So, if you have some time to to share that with us, we'd
1: love to hear it. Let's let's talk about that. So, uh in in the early 2000s, um there were only about three churches, uh a handful of believers from from what I hear from brother Nathan Herod, there was about 55 believers. Uh, in I mean, early 2000. And there has been an explosion of revival since that time. In 2015, Jumping to about 2015, there were 47 churches. Wow. And there was a push. I want to talk about Brother Heron a little bit because uh, I just I just really uh, think that he's a, an incredible man of God and great vision. And he, he put out a vision and challenged the, the United Pentecostal Church of Spain to double in five years, and he called it Vision 2020. Mm. And so uh, the goal was by the end of 2020, they would double the churches. And of course, the pandemic happened, and Spain had tremendous lockdowns and stuff. Uh, but uh, at the end of 2019, there was 80, 82 churches, wow. there was I think, 12 more churches to go to double the churches. And uh, of course, we were, we were in the U.S. during the whole time, but uh, there was a little bit of this thing, "I don't know, are they going to be able to make it? you know <laughs> But even during a the pandemic, they were able to add uh, 12 new churches during 2020, and they were able to still. Meet the goal of doubling the churches in Spain uh, in five years, and uh, since that time, I think they've added a few more churches. I think there's, I think they've they've fluctuated between 95 to 97 churches. Recently, I think the recent numbers are 95 churches now in the country of Spain. uh, I think indoors up under that umbrella, and so um, there's just been tremendous, tremendous revival. You know, there were people getting uh, the Holy Ghost on Zoom calls. Wow, People would sneak out on their grocery run during the strict lockdowns and they would sneak into homes and baptize people in bathtubs. They were able to start 12 churches in a pandemic.
0: That's crazy.
1: In Europe. That's crazy. Not, not in the U.S. <laughs> and yes. And so I had nothing to do with it. And so, um, you, know, I, you know, we of course have been praying for Spain, but we weren't there at the time. And so I just want to give a shout out to what God is doing. And I also have to give a shout out to to other short term missionaries that are in Barcelona with Brother Herod, under Brother Hare. They are uh, there are three in particular that i want to give shout outs. And when we left uh, Andorra, we we turned it over to Colton and Katie Prince from from Texas, and they took over. They were short term missionaries, and then now uh, Josh and Melina Tingley and Riley and Haley Garcia are helping right now in Andorra. They're actually traveling to Andorra. Uh, twice a month and it's a 3 hour drive and so nice. short term missionaries Amer's man they're awesome they're awesome and these are some awesome people who they've got their own responsibilities in Barcelona but every twice a month they're going to Andorra and they are preaching and having live services and so they were able to see seven receive the holy ghost of five baptize in Jesus name over the summer and uh, God is just working in that area so much. There's, there's been tremendous revival in Spain. and God, we're seeing it in Dora. And when I first wanted to go to uh, Europe, I thought, Lord, you, you have, you, there's been tremendous revivals that's taken place in South America, in Africa, in Asia, all over the world, North America. Uh, Lord, I want to see revival in Europe.
2: Mm.
1: It's time. It's time to see revival in Europe. And I'm talking to someone who's got a burden for Europe, too. And I want to see that, and I believe that it's happening. And I'm like, Lord, just let us splash over into Andorra, into France, into yeah. Portugal, into Italy, and into Denmark. Yes. And I believe that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, uh, there's going to be the church is going to shine brighter, and it's going to there's going to be a tremendous, tremendous revival is going to take place. And uh, we we may not understand how it's all going to work, but I, I do believe that. It's going to happen, yeah. and I want to see that happen in Europe. I have a burden for not just Spain but in uh, and Andorra, but all the nations of Europe. and I just see, see a revival sweep through that, that area. It was growing cold to Christianity, and, uh, because but we, have the, we have the answer, we have the truth, and we have the presence and spirit of God that, that so many that makes it real. Yeah. anyway, uh, I'm excited about what God's doing in, in Europe right now it is
0: exciting and it's encouraging. He's going to have a revival. He's going to have a harvest and somebody has got to go. Why not me? Why not you? <laughs> Listeners, why not you? Um <laughs> Listen to the, to the prompting of the Lord, if he's put it on your heart, because there's, there's work to be done. There's work Absolutely. to be done. And he, he, he chooses to partner with us to do that work. I keep reminding myself of that every time that I feel helpless or, Like, I'm not ever going to be enough. Um, I'm reminded that I'm not enough, but he chooses to partner with us to see his will done in the earth. And so I'm just, I'm humbled and also excited to see what he's going to do.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: Well, we are, we are pushing on our time here, but I do have, I do have two more questions. If you have a moment to to answer these last two questions, because. As we're doing this, um, this missions season, I'm kind of, we're going to be asking some of the same questions of, of each of the people that we speak to. And one of the questions that I'm wanting to ask everyone is, I would just love to know something that you've learned. It can be about yourself, about the church, about God, that you've learned on the field that you might not have learned um, had you stayed in North America.
1: I've given this a lot of thought. And uh, when you take a step out of faith and you, you go into the unknown and you really don't know what to expect you you learn a lot, and I think that's what I want to live my life by I'm not saying I'm perfect but i i'm sure I'm not I know i'm not but i I want to live a life of uh, that is willing to step out in faith and and reach into the unknown and when you do that, uh you find that that first of all, God is faithful and uh he is faithful, and sometimes getting out of your comfort zone is literally, it's bad, it's uncomfortable. Mm. And you have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. Because until you learn the language, until you learn the culture, until you learn uh, what it means to live in a different, you know, I don't think that that's something I could have learned. I know that there's a lot of things you can learn in in the U.S. that you can, not always, but there are some things that when you're in a when you're the minority and mm. you don't speak the language and you feel really stupid <laughs> all the time, <laughs> and you're like, I know I'm not stupid. I'm a smart person. Yeah, uh, but uh, when, especially when you're inv- you know involved in a different language, it, it it can be quite the challenge. But in order to grow, you have to be willing to struggle. Mm. And you have to be willing to grow in your faith, grow in yourself by just saying, you know what, I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know. And uh, learning patience, I think, is another thing that we've learned during this whole time. So there's a lot that I could talk about in, in this, but, um, but I've, I've learned quite a bit. Um, the church is, the church, people are people, mm. uh, what I have learned um that even though the culture or the language or the style of music or personalities you know stereotypes or whatever uh people are people people still have hurts you know people still have dreams people mm-hmm. still have desires and uh that doesn't change uh even though the way that you go about it may change a little bit so
0: yeah yeah it's also good all right our final question of the show, we always ask the same question. You said you've been listening to some of our episodes, so you've heard me ask this question. What is a good question that you are asking yourself lately?
1: Well, I figured I would probably be very uh, heavy in the most of the time, so I figured I'd try to answer this kind of uh, funny or interesting question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which we travel a lot. And so my question is this, why is it that when I'm in a hurry or I'm running late somewhere, I hit I, I hit every red light? Yeah. But what I'm trying to eat or tie my tie or answer a text, it's green light the whole way. <laughs> Why is that?
0: <laughs> have you ever experienced that I before? Have. <laughs> I have. Yes.
1: What's the deal? What is so, up with anyway, this? <laughs> we'll leave it at that.
0: Oh, this has been so much fun i've I've really enjoyed this conversation. You have blessed and encouraged me today and I know it's gonna speak to somebody i'm I'm excited to see to kind of follow along with you guys as you head back to Andorra next year. If people want to follow you and if they want to uh, maybe even feel led to give to you guys, is there a link or um, a social media account that we can give them to to follow along and keep track of what the Lord is doing with you guys?
1: Yes, uh, you could. uh, We've got a Facebook page, BB Family Missions. Um, BB Family Missions. Our last name is spelled B-E-E-B-E, BB Family Missions. Uh, You can also look us up at Pentecostals of Andorra um, and you can message us that way. Um, Of course, we need about 30 more partners and missions to get back. If there's anyone that's interested in contacting us or partnering with us, you can do that. Yes. Through the United Pentecostal Church website and role as a PIM, select our name in the drop-down box. Um, we would very much appreciate that. We need 30 more partners, and of course, I'd I'd be happy to talk to anyone about our. our I mean, it's our passion. So, thank you so much for having us, on. and uh, it's a it's an honor to be asked. Of course, you know you you guys have had you've had a lot of really great. I've been enjoying listening since I've learned about your podcast. I've been enjoying listening to all the conversations you've had. And, and I, I'm a big podcast person. So <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, I really appreciate it.
0: Well, God bless you all. We will be praying and, um, and we'll be following along to see the amazing things God's going to do in Andorra.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: How many of you started pulling up a travel website and looking for flights to Andorra while you listened just now? I know I have added it to my ever-growing list of places I would love to visit. I also know there's someone else out there who related to the mistaken idea we talked about that missions are for super Christians. If you're still not convinced this isn't true, I hope you continue listening to the rest of this season. The people we are interviewing are amazing individuals and godly, dedicated Christians, but I hope you'll hear that they're really no different than you or me. One thing I'd love for you to do after this episode is sit down and write out a list or have a conversation with someone close to you about the times in your life when God gave you a little nudge in the direction of your kingdom purpose. Maybe you didn't realize it at the time, or maybe you haven't thought about it in a while, but I'm confident he directed you in some way. It's so good for us to look back and remember those times, especially when we are weary and start to doubt. So take some time to remember and encourage yourself today. If you liked this episode, we'd love for you to share it with a friend. We would also love to hear your thoughts, your stories of God speaking to you. And if you found any good deals on flights to Andorra, come on over to our social media pages and leave us a comment or send us a message. We are on Instagram at Good Questions Show. I'm at Jessica Tanderup. that's Jessica T as in Tuesday. A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also find us on Facebook by searching Good Question with Jessica Tanderup Podcast. You can shoot us an email to goodquestionshow at gmail.com. And if you are interested in following along on our mission journey to Denmark, you can follow at Tanderups for Denmark. That's Tanderups with an S, the number four Denmark. We also have a Facebook page for that as well. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup. My co-producer, editor, and the man who proposed the idea of a missions theme this season, good call, babe, is my husband, Dave Tandra. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.